Matthew chapter 11. And last week, we're, we're in a journey through the book of Matthew. So it'll probably be a long journey because we'll take occasional breaks. But in Matthew chapter 11, we looked last week about who Jesus reveals himself to. And he reveals himself to babes, to the humble, to the teachable. And the, and the verses following his statements about that are three simple verses here at the end of the chapter. And we see quite simply that Jesus offers rest. Yeah. And I tell you what, this is these verses are incredible to me. They're small. There's only a few of them. Um, they're profound. They're amazing. Um, and I, 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 I struggle to, some, in some ways, describe them. But I'm going to do my best today. Incredible, an incredible call that Jesus makes today out to everybody. Let's just read it plainly. Matthew 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Listen to these words. <clears throat> Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That is an out, outstanding statement, and it would be a it would be an incredible offense. It would be an incredible crime if he couldn't back it up. That's an outrageous statement. Now we're going to ponder it. Jesus offers rest. We're going to take it in two parts. We're going to look at one part today. There's rest by virtue of just coming to him. Verse 28. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Period. Okay. There's rest by virtue of just coming to Jesus. 29 and 30, we learn that there's rest also in another aspect by virtue of cooperating with Christ. Take my yoke. You can't cooperate right. unless you, you're yoked. That's showing you're cooperating. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. There's two halves to this. The first half is contained in verse 28, and that's what we'll focus today. The second half is verse 29 and 30. I'm yoking, cooperating. <clears throat> this um, time of year, going into the holidays, of course we uh, have a major American holiday this month of Thanksgiving, and then many celebrate Christmas in December, and then the New Year, and then it seems like... Uh, by the way, it seems like there's always trying to invent a new holiday to keep us buying something. But, but usually, it, 
the holidays, we, we want it to be a time of, of rest and of enjoyment. And it can be. Right? I think it can be. Um, but it seems like if we kind of follow, follow the flow of most other Americans, it's not a time of rest and enjoyment. It's a time of stress. It's the most stressful time. <laughs> that's how it can be. It doesn't have to be, but sometimes that's how it can be. And um, Jesus never intended for us to continue on in that. I, I, I just, I'll just put it to you this way. Um, God, God wants, God does put pressure on us. He allows pressure on us. We put pressure on ourselves, but I don't think he ever intends that it be sustained because of the words of Jesus Christ here. Um, let's think about Jesus here. Let's just go into his world, this world 2,000 years ago. I started thinking, okay, these words were originally said 2,000 years ago. They are called out into the open air in the land of Israel. He said these words. Who in the world was hearing this? Who in the world was hearing, I can get some rest from what I'm dealing with? And I, and I realized that as I, as I surveyed the New Testament, particularly the Gospels, and get a, get a sense of the life of Christ and the people that he encountered, the people that heard him, the content of his teaching, just the, the, the type of people that were responsive to him and that were weighed down around him, I got a, I got a sense of who, would, who was hearing this. When Jesus called out, hey, I have rest for you, you come to me. The people that heard him were people who were, for instance, heavy laden with worries. According to what you hear when he taught in Matthew 6, there are people wringing their hands about what they're going to eat tomorrow. What are we going to drink? What are we going to eat? What are we going to wear? Where shall we be clothed? And apparently there's people that were, were, were heavy with thoughts of what we're going to deal with tomorrow. And he called out to them. Uh, in Jesus' day, there were people who um, had a multitude. You see, this is interesting. Jesus' day is, is not unlike our day. We have some similarities. But even as you look at the, the teaching of Jesus, and he, he called out people who were, who were caught up with the cares of this world. So when Jesus called out the people who were heavy laden and laboring, and there was unrest, he was calling out the people who were laden with a lot of worldly interests. And when I say worldly, I don't always mean that it's something intrinsically sinful. But in, even in Jesus' day, there are people who are running businesses, and, which is fine. But they're also making commitments here and trying to go there and trying to get more money here and, and occupied there and had this commitment, had this social, uh, this social obligation. People were caught up with a lot of worldly cares, even in Jesus' day. It's, in, it's implicit in what he said in the, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. Right. Cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and the lust of other things. Just be stoic. 
what was going to be accomplished in their life. People were caught up in worry. People were caught up in worldly care um, that heard Jesus say this. There were people when Jesus said, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. The, there were people, I'm sure there's people whose ears perked up like, what? Rest? Because they were weighed down with religious requirements. There you go. There were religious requirements. Even just the pure ones out of the Bible, if they thought on them seriously, I'd be like, man, I don't know if I can handle this. Moses is heavy. Right, amen. The law is holy. The law is just. The law is pure. It's good. But man, I don't. In my my natural state, I can't handle what. If they took it seriously, they would say, "I can't handle this." So Jesus really would have been. He's the savior for all that I'm coming short of in this book. He's the savior of of uh, the sin that I that I've committed, and they would see him as that. But there was other people who were listening. This is what I'm trying to get at. When Jesus said, "Come unto me." All you that are heavy laden and heavy have a heavy burden, he it would have it would have perked the attention of people who were following the Pharisees mm-hmm. and following a lot of the priests. You know why? Because they didn't just say, "Hey, let's people, let's follow the Bible." They said, "Let's follow the Bible." And there's this, and right. there's this, yep. and they had a book of traditions. They had so many traditions that they added on to the truth. And it just weighed down that religion. Weighed them down. Jesus even, he, he, he scolded the Pharisees and the scribes and the priests. Later on, I think it's John, uh, Matthew 23 in one of the later chapters. And he told them, he says, you, you scribes and Pharisees, woe on you because you, you put heavy obligations on people, heavy burdens on them, but you don't even lift a finger to them. To, to do them yourself. I don't know exactly all the traditions and extra biblical commands that the religious leaders were putting on the common man, but whatever it was, it was heavy. Some of it involved extra rules on the Sabbath, extra things to perhaps that you couldn't say or do or wear or whatever, beyond, beyond what God said. Does God have something to say about the Sabbath? Yeah. Does God have something to say about we should wear it? Yeah. We shouldn't go. We shouldn't go more than it, and we shouldn't go less than it. So, so when Jesus said, "Come unto me, you're laboring, you're 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 heavy laden, you're worn down with worry, you're worn down with your heavy, your your wagon is dragging with with uh, cares of this world and 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 with religious requirements." Get over here. Get over here. Come over here. That's what Jesus is saying to the people of his day. There are people in his day, and it's again, it's not unlike today, who are overwhelmed by an array of emotions. Human beings did still live 2,000 years ago. And they still had emotions, too. There were people in Jesus' day that some were, were overwhelmed with the emotion of the, of the death of a loved one. Sometimes overcome with it. Some were, they were, they were they're weighed down with the emotion of perhaps animosity because of a uh, injustice done. Did you know there were some of the there were some Jews in Jesus' day who were so angry, they were so upset of that Rome was shadowing over them. They were so angry, they were assassinating some of them. And that was not condoned. But there were people who were overwhelmed with emotion. They're carrying a heavy weight of emotion, different types of emotions. Some were overwhelmed with the emotion of frustration over a physical infirmity. 
These are the things that people were weighed down. When Jesus called out to people whose trucks were heavy, overloaded, he was calling out to these type of people. And he was calling out to people who were weighed down with the conscientiousness of their guilt of sin. Heavy guilt of sin. And the grip of sin. So people who couldn't stop sinning. He was calling out to people. I'm just trying to say, when I'm preaching this Bible, this text here, I want you to like, I want you to think, what was really going on here when Jesus first said these words? These are the type of people he's calling out to. People weighed down like this. But notice what Jesus says to them. Get over here. What he says. Three words. Come unto me. Verse 28. And they did. If you follow some of the people in the New Testament, they did come to him. And they did find that his claim was true. A man, how about a man who was overwhelmed with demons living in him? <coughs> he came to Christ and he found his weight lifted. And he was clothed in his right mind and he was at peace. And the woman at the well who was going to this relationship and that relationship and that relationship and that actually this marriage this marriage this marriage this marriage I'm not going to marry anymore so now, now she lives with a man and she meets Christ at the well Christ has his friendly conversation with her which surprises that her that he is friendly to her but he but he brings her to the knowledge of her sin and conviction of it and she puts her faith in him and she's released you can see this release in her life come tell me come to all the residents of her city come I want you to hear man they told me all things ever I did isn't this a Christ and the woman caught in adultery in John 8 heavy laden heavy laden with her adulterous sin and Jesus she found forgiveness with Jesus among many others. What I'm saying is Jesus made this call, come to me, all you that are heavy laden, that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. What he says right there. Amazing. Jesus gives rest in this life, a spiritual rest, grace to help us, sustaining grace to help us live this life. He gives that kind of rest. And then he gives the rest for the next life. Saving grace. Mm -hmm. Alright? So I think he's talking about both of them. This isn't just all, this is just only salvation, Pastor. I don't think that's just all it is. <coughs> Jesus doesn't have one arm. Okay. Saving arm. This is my saving arm. I have so much power I can save you from the pit of hell. You have problems in life? I can't help you with that. I mean, I can help you with hell. I can clear you with guilt before God the Father. I can't help you in your life's problems. I don't have an arm for that. No, he does. He has two arms. He has saving grace. He has sustaining grace. He has rest he can give us for eternal life and rest he can give us for this life. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he's talking about. My dad and I, when we ran a, a body shop, we had... <laughs> there was... We would accumulate um, metal, scrap metal at a body shop in Mesa. Over time, you'd accumulate scrap metal. You know, you're doing cattle replacements in cars and collision, cars that have had collisions, and so you had their scrap, uh, you know, a crunched up fender, you put over, you always put it in the corner of the parking lot, the back corner, nobody can see it. 
you know, other body parts where you're where you're fixing or replacing. Just it started piling up. You know, uh, bump bent bumpers, and sometimes we'd have some plastic. In fact, it got to be more plastic as time went by because there's a lot of plastic cars. But you know, crunched fenders, um, uh, old scrap pieces of a of a panel that we just cut out a piece of back there, uh, bumpers, floor panels, all kinds of stuff. We just pile. We'd be piling up this scrap scrap metal. Plus, we'd get tires sometimes that piled up, too. I don't know how we got tires. We weren't even a tire shop. How did, we don't even know how that happened. They just showed up. Maybe some other shop was dropping them in there or something. Because they're hard to get rid of now. But uh, So we'd pile it up. But for a while there, I don't know how it is now. This is 15 years ago or more. These guys would come in. These guys would come into the shop every month or two. They pull in, and I, I like these guys. <laughs> this old, this old black guy, and he had his partner with him, and I, li I liked. I always enjoyed talking to him. He'd come in, and he'd come pile, he'd come driving in in this old Chevy truck, and he'd have. I mean, it's a when you say oh, it's a beater, this is a beater truck, like it's been beaten, and it's an old Chevy truck, long bed. It's like he pulls into the shop, the, at the bottom of it's like sagging, and he's got like big, you know. Now, okay, so if this is your truck bed, you can probably build up like you know, you put two by fours in the in the the sides of it, and you can build it up, make it kind of like this, make it almost like a little, almost like a wagon, and it drops up. He had his really high. Really high, and some, and, and sometimes, in fact, I don't even know if he only had a few pieces. He didn't even have wood on the side. I think he just had a few posts in the sides of the bed, and then he had like a string to tie it. I mean, it's really high. You know, like these Dr. Seuss movies, like the the Grinch, and it's exaggerated. You know, it's the the Santa Claus or something. He's got this big. It's all exaggerated. I mean, this was it. It was exaggerated. Like it really, really was. It was just huge. And he had he come pulling it. He come driving it. How you doing today? You know. And I was like, doing good. You got any scrap? I was like, yeah, I think we got a little bit. All right, I so appreciate it. And he'd go back there and he'd go back and get the get the metal and stuff like that. And, he, and I'm like, this guy doesn't have any. Oh, I got room. He throw it on top. He did, yeah. And then and then he pile it and go take off. He come in next month and I'd be like. He pulled in. I said, "Hey, uh, he go, he'd come in. He said, "Hey, you got any scrap?" And I said, uh, "No, we don't have much." He goes, "Well, every little bit helps." <laughs> I said, "Well, all right. Well, there might be some back there. I think there's a bump. All right, every every little bit helps. I sure appreciate it." He'd go back, get the bumper, throw it on there, tie this string, couple ropes around it, and I felt bad. He had this really skinny guy helping him, man. He'd go back there like this, and he'd go get the scrap. You know, he'd go back there, he'd drag the bumper, they throw it over there. And I thought, man. <laughs> but I felt like, Bert, I mean, he was a nice guy, but when I saw his truck, man, I felt Bert was looking at the truck. Yeah. <laughs> the truck was just sagging like this. Because what he would do, uh, he would take it, of course, he'd go to, there's, there's like a, a few places in the East Valley you could take your scrap metal and go in there and they weigh it and you get some money for it. So that was good for him. He got it. It's good for us to get rid of it. It's good for him to exchange for it. See, that was good for him. He said every little bit helps. But with the human being, with the soul, with us, um, it's not good. It doesn't help when we're weighted with the, 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 the cares of this world. We just pile it on the cares of this world. And the, uh, uh, the, the religious requirements that we take upon ourselves that God didn't put on you. Right. And we pile right. them up on ourselves and we put them in our wagon, in our truck. That doesn't help. And, and the, um, 
Uh, the, our emotions that we just let build up and build up and build up and build up and just keeps piling on. And, and our, our sin, the guilt of it that we're feeling so bad about, or the, the grip of it that we just keep practicing, we just keep piling, it piles up and piles up. And then even just our own thoughts, that's not good. Every little bit doesn't help that's right. for us. Every little bit just weighs us down and down and down. And I believe firmly Jesus is talking to this type of state for us. This, that's what I'm saying. This is amazing words. Wow. <clears throat> so, what are people heavy laden with today? I, I mentioned it just a minute ago. People are often today, we said what they were laden with and what we believe the people of Jesus' name were heavy loaded with. I think it's similar to today. I, I, we could, I got about five categories, and there could be more. And some of the categories I'm going to name before you, some of them overlap. But we are weighed down with the cares of this world, often. We live in the world. It's all we need to. And we need to know what's going on in the world, but sometimes it just starts building up. All the commitments and all the interests and all the things that capture, it can just build up. We get weighed down with that. We can get weighed down with, again, religious requirements. We can get weighed down with our own emotions. We can get heavy laden with our sin. Get feeling guilty about it, or just man, I just can't stop this sin. I, it's not that I have sin, sin has me. And we get a hard yoke, and there's unrest and not rest because of it. And we get heavy laden with our own thoughts. And I want to deal with just a couple of these today. I'm prepared to deal with those five categories, but let's just think first of all about our thoughts. I want you to consider. How that, just, just think about this, just, even if this was the only, I don't know if this is the only one we'll get to, but even if this was just the only category of weight that we dealt with today, I think this would be helpful. Sometimes our own thoughts weigh us down. They weigh us down. Come unto me, Jesus says. Think about the multitude of thoughts that we commonly have. I'm not going to address every type of thought we all have, but we have various kinds. Some people are weighed down with thoughts of doubt. They doubt. We doubt what's, you know what? Does that person love me? Does God love me? Is, um, you know, Am I going to have my job tomorrow? Or whatever. We just doubt. It's the Bible true. We're doubt. We just started doubting things. Some people are weighed down with doubt with thoughts of despair. And usually it's preceded by thoughts of discouragement. Mm -hmm. But thoughts of despair. And they're just despair. And you, and you soak it. And you think on it. And you think on it. And you think on it. <laughs> and, it and it weighs you down. Some people are heavy laden with thoughts of worry. Which is similar to doubt. We, we start thinking, what, 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 what are they going to think of me? 
what am I going to say? And, um, maybe like the people in Jesus say, what are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? And how are we going to be clothed with? I mean, in all countries, who could talk? I wouldn't really think about that in this country. But we do. Oh, what, what, if, what, if they, what if I'm criticized and, and we, we're weighed down with thoughts of what other people think about us and, and potential criticism and, uh, and, it, and, it, and, it, and, it, and it, it loads us up. Sometimes we're weighed down with, we're heavy laden with thoughts of regret. Sometimes you make a mistake or you make a bad decision and you should pause and think on it and learn from it. See, how could I have done that better? And learn to process that and move on. But sometimes people bring that with us and they just keep thinking regret and regret and regret. And it's like they're driving their life always staring in the rearview mirror. We're going to get an accident that way. You know? And, and so sometimes the regret, regret, regret just weighs on us. A multitude of thoughts that laden you and me today. That's why we have to regulate our thoughts and manage not just... Um, the, the quality of them and, and how long we're staying on certain right. thoughts. And, and yeah. just, Jesus never intended for us to be an overloaded truck. His people are going to be light, he says. Verse 30. My yoke is easy. My burden, there is a burden. There's something to do. Yeah. We'll get to that in another message. It's light. What do people do, though? What I, what I describe, what do we commonly do when we're weighed down with thoughts of doubt, despair, worry, um, potential criticism, or regret? What, what will people commonly do? Well, they, people continue to harbor them. Well, I know that, I know that I'm a worrier, but, but uh, it's like one guy, I don't know if Brother Devon said this to me. Somebody said this to me a few weeks ago. They said, you know, I've endured a lot of troubles in my life, many, many I've seen a lot of troubles in my life, most of which never came to pass. <laughs> did you say that to me the other day, or was that somebody else? I probably did. <laughs> I think you did when we visited. Isn't that funny? I've had a lot of problems in my life, most of which never happened. <laughs> well, what do people do when they're the multitude of thoughts? They continue to harbor them. We continue to dwell on thoughts of worry. We constantly mow over our regret. When we think about people who are thinking about criticisms and stuff, how well, we think about, well, this, they'll probably say this, and then I'm going to probably say this back, and then they'll probably say this back. And I, there's this guy, oh, boys and I, we, right? So we go right over here to Gilbert Road. You go north on Gilbert Road, and uh, I always see this one guy walking. Um, so keep going north on Gilbert Road to, to Guadalupe. There's a gas station on the northeast corner. I think it's a Chevron or something. It's funny, there's this one guy that my boys and I often see. I'll see him like around noon, and sometimes I'll see him around 3 or 4 o'clock also. I don't know if he's doing this twice a day or what. <coughs> but this guy walks, I think from the neighborhood, he walks over to the Chevron. It's like he has his little habit. You know, we all have our habits. He has his habit. He's going to the gas station. He's got his cup. I can tell he's not carrying an empty cup. He's going to refill that thing at the gas station, get his soda, whatever he's getting. And this guy... <laughs> My boys are, there he is again. This guy's walking. He's like this. He's going like that, walking like that. And have you seen him, Matt? Maybe. He's walking like this on his way. But, you know, he's not just walking. I mean, he, he's, he doesn't, he's balding a little bit. He's got a little hair. But what, 
here he does have is disheveled, and he's just kind of like this, and he's looking around, but he's talking. Uh -oh. He's talking a lot. And sometimes he's talking with a smile. I don't know who he's talking to. He's talking with a smile. And uh, other times I've seen him talking with a scowl. And he's not, he's not very happy about something. It's like he's arguing back and forth with somebody walking next to him. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. You know? But uh, I'm like, he, he's got a multitude of thoughts there. Right. <laughs> Bothering him. And we do too. We might not be crazy like that guy, but we might have the same size truck bed in our brain that's just loading up. What do they? What do people do? Often people just go on. Often people just um, continue to be afflicted by our, their own weight of their own thoughts. But here's the question: What does Jesus say to do? Come unto me. You know, it says in Philippians 4, 6, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. Okay. Let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Jesus says, show up with all your thoughts and unload them. Says, come unto me. What are people heavy laden with today? Here's another one, as we mentioned uh, by way of overview. The cares of this world. We get we pick up a lot of cares as we the older you get in life, the more times you put out your email and phone number, right. and the more interest you have of a bunch of different sports, and the more friends you get, and the more people you meet, and I mean, you're gonna watch out. You're gonna have to regulate the cares of this world. Otherwise, they'll just start piling up, and you're gonna be unrest. You'll have unrest. Okay. Commitments, efforts to gain, efforts to try to get honor and recognition, social obligations. They can build up. But what do people do when they do that? What do people do? In other words, when people are heavy nowadays, we, we're knowing what to do. We're looking at the Bible. <clears throat> but what do people do when they're so, they're connected to so many things, they're, they're, they're uh, committed to so many things, they're interested in so many things, and they're involved in so many things, and the world, the cares of this world, and the lust of other things are just piling up. What do they usually do once it starts feeling the pressure? Sometimes they just keep letting it pile up. Sometimes people, they develop ulcers and other digestive problems. By the way, I'm not blaming. If you have one of those, it's blaming it on this. I'm saying, but it's worth considering. But we develop physical problems because of the multitude of things we've let weigh us down. Some people, they go to seminars to deal with these things from a secular mind. You might get a few wise things at a seminar, but sometimes people run to the seminar, run to the secularist, run to the Google but Jesus said, get over here. Right. I'll tell me all your worldly cares. Let's sort these out. I mean, this is, I think this is what he's really saying here. Come to me. Again, let's, let's mention again religious requirements. What are people heavy laden with today? Now, 
a lot of a lot. Of, it's interesting. There's a lot of American Christians. This is we live in a unique country. There's a lot of American Christians. They're like, I'm good. Nothing bothers me religiously. God really likes me. Yeah. And a lot of a lot of American a lot of Americans, I should say, have the mentality, Hey, I'm American. God must like me. And they're not worried about a thing. They think, they mean, well, maybe I'll show up at church every now and then. God will be good with that. Drop a little bit of money here to. The guy ringing the bell outside the store, and a little bit in the plate. God, good. Some people have no, they have no. There's not. They're not worried about the weight. There's no weight on them. Right. By the way, Jesus is calling out to people who feel the weight, who feel the weight of religious requirements. By the way, that's why a typical an American who's self-righteous and thinks he's all good with the God that he's carved in his right. mind. The typical American. That's why the typical American needs to go meet Moses in the Ten Commandments, so he can really realize how much. Sin and infractions and offenses on his record, so he realizes how weighed down he is before God. But not a lot of Americans are that conscientious of their unrighteousness. And we are very unrighteous, by the way. We all have all sinned. But other people, they are acute to the religion they're in. They're, they're tuned into maybe a certain denomination or a certain religion they're brought up in, and they realize, boy, they want me to do this, and I gotta do that, and I gotta be baptized and catechized and show up here, and I gotta and I gotta I gotta be good and, and I gotta be try and, and it weighs them down. I'm trying to please God. I'm going to try to establish a sense of self-justification. I'm, I'm going to try to please the religious organization. I'm going to try to please the religious leader. I'm going to try to outdo somebody else spiritually, which is really not spiritual. It's carnal. Right. I'm going to try, and, and, and they're just weighed down with this religious list of things to do or this religious challenge to achieve, and it weighs them down. You know the Bible says Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Even God's law, forget all of man's religious requirements. God's law of keeping his Ten Commandments, and when he says, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. God's law that's as perfect and righteous and just, even that, boy, that is tough. I can't achieve it. You can't achieve it. We can't achieve it. I'm so glad that the Bible says Christ is the end of that law. In other words, if I have Christ, then I'm past my guilt for not... Uh, not meeting that law. If I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, then God accounts that all my sins against his law are forgiven. Amen. It's the end of the law. Not the end of I don't observe it and respect it. No, it's, it's just, it's holy, it's good, it's true. But I'm the weight of that guilt part is behind me. Let alone when somebody's in a religion or maybe a certain group where there's a lot of requirements. There's a lot of extra, extra lists of things to do or things to be that just seem inordinately uh, hard or beyond what God intended. It's heavy. Jesus says, come to me. Get over here. I'll give you rest. Yoke with me. Work with me. I'm meek and lowly in heart. You'll find rest into your souls. But what do people do typically that are under a lot of religious requirements, a strict religion, a religion of works, by the way, again, it's usually there's a religion of trust in Jesus Christ's work, which you're saved. That's what we preach. Or every other religion which says do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. 
Those are do religions. But what do people do? They just keep trying harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to try harder. You know what other people do? When they're in a maybe a strict religion where there's, you got to do this, you got to be this, you got to do this. What happens is they try, like I can't achieve. Here's what they sometimes people do. Forget it all. Forget God. Forget Jesus. Forget the church. And they thrust everything away because I can't, I know I can't even, I can't be good enough, so forget all that. And then run the, the other extremes of just throwing God off altogether. But Jesus says, don't do that. Come to me. If a person's having a hard time being a good person, being a good boy, being a good girl, pleasing the pastor, pleasing the priest or whatever, if a person's having a hard time with that, forget about them. Come to Jesus, he yes. says. Come to me. I'll give you rest. We'll deal with this. That's what he says. That's what I'm saying. This is an incredible statement right here. It's amazing. But I think the opposite is true. When he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I'll give you rest. I think the opposite, I mean, the flip side would be true, where you say, avoid him, all you that labor in a heavy labor. Avoid him, and you'll be denied rest. Okay. Jesus says, the, the word of God says, cast thy burden on the Lord, he shall sustain thee. The psalmist says in Psalm 56, 3 and 4, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do it. People are heavy laden. Number four, I'll just go through these other two. People are heavy laden with an array of emotions. I don't know about you, but my emotions are weird. Sometimes I'll, all of a sudden I'll have a certain emotion about something. I'm like, why am I having this emotion about something? Do you ever get, sometimes we can get overwhelmed with a certain emotion or a series of emotions. Like, ah, I'm so fragile. I'm so mad. I'm so, you know, whatever. And you just get, you know, a Dr. Jekyll thing and Mr. Hyde. I'm so frustrated. People get a array of emotions. Anger, the emotion of anger. The emotion of frustration. Emotion of fear and insecurity. Emotion of sorrow and discouragement. Sometimes our emotions just overwhelm us. But what do most people think? I want, let's think about this for a minute. We still have some time. What do a lot of people out here do when they're overwhelmed with their different emotions? They simmer in them. Some. Some explode in them. Some shrink back from others. They're so overwhelmed with fear. They don't even want to be seen. Or they're so overwhelmed with sorrow. They just shrink back from, or they suppress them. Some people, they have, they have such a bitterness, an emotional bitterness building up, building up, building up. So they find ways to just suppress it with a drug or with a drink or with an illicit relationship. I'm saying there's a lot of people that are overloaded in their emotions and their thoughts and their, and their commitments out there. And they're doing other things to as a diversion except to Christ. And sometimes we do too as Christians. But Jesus says, come to me. And again, we mentioned it, but I'll mention it again. Some people are overwhelmed and over heavy laden with number five, sin. Again, I see two types of heavy ladenness, the guilt of it and the grip of it. 
The publican was overwhelmed in Luke 18 with the guilt of his sin, but he found release with God. Peter's audience in Acts chapter 2 was overwhelmed with the guilt of their sin, but they found release, relief when they accepted Christ as Savior. Paul was overwhelmed. You, you see that he had some kind of conviction with the guilt of his sin when he met God on the road to Emmaus and the Lord Jesus Christ, but God released him. Some people are overwhelmed that they have a weight of the guilt, a weight of the grip. I'm addicted. I can't stop. I can't, I have, I'm, I'm enslaved to my lust. I'm enslaved to my filthy mouth. I'm enslaved to my theft. I'm enslaved to my obsessions. And it's overwhelming. And Jesus, come on over here. That's what he says. Come to me. I'm so glad for Matthew 9, 10. It says, and many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Very simple statement. A lot of sinners, scoundrel publicans, they came and sat down with him. And he didn't condone what they were, but they found forgiveness and they found a release. Many publicans and sinners did. Why? Because they came to him. I guess I want to ask a couple questions as we wind this down. Are we really coming to Christ? With our weights. Casting all your care upon him for he careth for you. And we should direct other people to go to Christ with their weights. Their heavy ladenness. You know, Jesus does not say, come. He doesn't say, uh, go to the mall. All you that labor and are heavy laden, you'll find, and I'll give you rest. Mm -hmm. I don't, you can go to the mall if you want. But that isn't, what, that isn't where the promise of rest of the soul is. In fact, for some of us, it's opposite. He doesn't say, uh, go to your phone, all you that are heavy laden and, and labored, I'll give you rest. He doesn't say, uh, go to the movies, all you that labored are heavy laden, I'll give you rest if you do that. Or go to uh, some other thing. He says, come to me. That's where the promise is fulfilled. Come to me. There's a guy that I... That I uh, know of he's a he was a dean of students at a large Christian college and he said uh, he dealt with a lot of college students and um, he said and he was, he was speaking on this subject that we're talking about today and he mentioned that he says you know we got all these college students and he dealt with them and he dealt with people who helped counsel them in their in the process of their, their college studies and and some of them would come with problems, you know, they come with problems of maybe with their friends or other relationships and their studies or their, their spiritual issues and, um, and uh, uh, they're just all kinds of emotional problems and they come and they try to counsel them. And now this is a college where the Bible, is, the Bible is weaved into all the classes, all the subjects. This is a college where they have, they have chapel a couple times, two or three times a, 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 month, a, a week. Or they're hearing the Bible, that the Bible's weaved in. And he said, they'll still come, and they'll, they'll, they'll come to us, and we'll counsel them, and they just have all kinds of different problems of their sin, of their, their relationships, as they're overcommitted, and all kinds of things. He said, all kinds, and he goes, and he goes, he goes, the vast majority of the time, of the, each of these students, the vast majority of the time of students like that, their time with God is gone. There's nothing. And it, there's no time with God. And we try. We start right there. We start with, here's your load, here's God, 
If you have time for these other things, you need to make time for God. Go to Him. Go to Christ every day. I like the um, taking a rest stop. There's a rest stop between here and Flagstaff, the Sunset Point. Rest stop. How many have been there? Sunset Point. Okay. It's beautiful. Nice little. I think you're kind of, when you're coming out of Phoenix, you come up on a plateau for a while there, and then, oh, there's that rest stop. And um, it's nice to, you know, between, it's only, what, two and a half, three hours if you're going by the speed limit, <laughs> between here and Flagstaff, you know. But it's nice having a little stop there, pull over, or on your way back from Flagstaff, pull over. I think, I don't know if we got a picture there before or something, um, but it's a nice little rest stop. All kinds of people in Arizona from all kinds of backgrounds have stopped there. They found the same rest. <laughs> And that's what Jesus is. He's a rest stop for this life. And he's a rest. He provides the rest for eternal life. And I'm just, I'm just trying to set forth, lay it bare before you, that passage right there. Come to me, he says. Let's pray.